0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So a couple months back, the boys and I went to a Pittsbitters Spitters game. You guys know the Pittsbitters. It's the minor league baseball team in Traverse City. Now they used to be the Beach Bums. Now they're the Pittsbitters. So we went there, and at their park, like at any good minor league park, they have all kinds of delicious food, right? Including my all-time favorite kind of ice cream. Not Moomer's, sorry. Dippin' Dots, All right. You guys familiar with Dippin' Dots? It's the ice cream that looks like it's hail or something like that, and they put it into a bowl. And I remember when I was a kid, like in the 90s, we would go to the mall, and there would be the Dippin' Dots stand. And it had this slogan under it, Dippin' Dots, Ice Cream of the Future. You know, that always pulled me in, like, I want to be part of the future, this is cool, Ice Cream of the Future. Well, so we go to the baseball game, and I see the Dippin' Dot stand. So, of course, I make my way over there with the boys. But I am looking in vain for that slogan, Ice Cream of the Future. It's not there. It wasn't anywhere. And so I, I look to the girl, you know, like teenage high school girl that's working there. I'm, like, asking her, you know, interviewing her, interrogating her. Where's the slogan? You know, I thought that this was the Ice Cream of the Future. Well, I didn't say that anymore. And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then until finally she says, um... I guess the future is now? (laughs) She was more right than she realized. If we listen to St. John in the epistle reading, he puts it this way. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. John speaks of this kind of duality, a now and a not yet. Already you are God's children. Already you have received the blessings of the kingdom. And yet, that kingdom has not yet come in full. This is a paradox at the heart of the Christian life. For you and me who live in these times, we live in this interesting time that you might think of as kind of the overlap of the ages. So it works like this. See, God's people of old, in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would come. And they believed that when the Messiah came, he would usher in the kingdom of God, which is in fact what happened. Christ Jesus comes, and through his incarnation, his life, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God. But here's the interesting thing. He does not already usher it in in full See. He says there is still a yet greater day when he will return, when the kingdom will come without remainder. When this old world will be renewed and restored to the way that God always intended it to be. So that we live in this paradox. You might call it the present future. See, We live in between the now and the not yet. Both of those at the same time. And here's the challenge for us. The challenge I don't think is so much kind of a theoretical one. In other words, it's not a challenge to understand that. I think we can kind of wrap our minds around that idea, or at least I'm gonna try to help us wrap our minds around it. But even more than the theoretical challenge is the practical challenge, which is to say, how do we live faithfully in this paradox, in this tension, Because there's two temptations, right? On the one hand, it's to to fall off on this side and only focus the now, the blessings of the already as God's children, that we neglect or overlook what's still to come, the not yet. Or we fall off on the other side and we only look ahead to what is still to come and the future hope that we neglect or overlook what's already ours in Christ. And so the calling for us as God's people now is to live in that tension, To live in that place of paradox, now and not yet, present, future, together. And so that's what I want us to meditate on this morning, so that you and I might live more faithfully in that tension, and not only faithfully, but hopefully, which is what God would have for us. So let's start over here. For those who would so emphasize the blessings of the now, the already ours, that they neglect or overlook the not yet. And to be honest, I think that this is a natural temptation when we listen to the words of our Lord Jesus, especially in something like in the the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount that we hear today. You notice Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now I want to put some emphasis there on the present tense verb, right? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs, what? is the kingdom of heaven. Now, today already the, the gifts of the kingdom are yours. Already forgiveness of sins, life, salvation that is yours today. Now Jesus has come and through his death and his resurrection, already he has given Satan a decisive defeat. He has put him on notice that you are not going to be able to run roughshod over this world, this prince of the world. No, not for long. Now the true king has come and by his victory over death, he has given you and me that victory already. Already you have died with him in holy baptism. Already you are raised with him, seated with him in the heavenly places. Already all of those gifts and blessings have been conferred on you as our king has confiscated you for the reign and rule of God. That's yours now, today, and you don't have to wait for it. The Holy Spirit dwelling within you, that identity as the children of God, and on and on we could go. So for those who would just emphasize the now. It's understandable because so much is given to you already as God's children. But there's a problem here. There's a challenge that comes with this. And this too is, is seen in the Beatitudes. Because you notice that first Beatitude, Jesus says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But did you notice? The verb tenses change with the, with the subsequent Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they, what? Shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness now, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And on and on it goes. Jesus has kind of baked into the form of the Beatitudes themselves this kind of already and not yet. This duality, this tangency. Because not only do we have these present gifts and blessings, but we also await a fuller, more future hope. And I mean, we, we can take it from Jesus's word or we can just live in the world, right? Where you know it, you feel it, that things are not yet fully how they ought to be. I mean, if ever there was a year when I didn't need to convince people that we have not yet arrived to the kingdom of God, 2020 is it, am I right? So we need to keep our eyes open and recognize that we live in this, live in this tension. There was a theologian by the name of Oscar Kuhlman who gave this great analogy to help us think about this, that now already we have these gifts, but there's still a not yet to come. And uh, the theologian Kuhlman, he points us back to World War II, for you history buffs out there. So World War II, you remember what was the decisive battle of World War II, what we know as as D-Day, right? June 6th. 1944 the Allies stormed the beach at Normandy, break Hitler's back, and from then on out it was clear that here we're going to ultimately prevail. Maybe not today, maybe not in a month, but ultimately we're going to have the victory. Some of you might uh, you know debate about the fine points of that a little bit, but basically that's what we have. The decisive victory was already fought on D-Day. And yet how long was it after that that there was V-Day, Victory Day? You remember? Victory in Europe didn't come until the following May, 1945, and the war altogether wasn't over for another three months after that, in August of uh, 1945. And so, the theologian Pullman says, this is like where we live, in between D-Day and V-Day, see. We live in this kind of in-between time where already the decisive battle has been fought. Already Christ Jesus has the victory through his death and his resurrection. Already he has squashed Satan. He has triumphed over the grave and he has washed away your sins. That's already happened. And yet we're still awaiting V-Day, right? When Jesus comes again and brings his kingdom in full. And I think this analogy helps us Point up some of the other implications for our understanding of when we live. Because you guys know, in between 1944 and 1945, there were still lots of battles to be fought, weren't there? You think of Okinawa, Iwo Jima. There were still lots of lives that were lost in that in-between time. And likewise, for you and me, as God's people, even though the battle has already been won in principle, in Christ, still it rages. Satan is even more that prowling lion looking for some prey to devour. Even more knowing that he does not want to wave that white flag just yet, knowing that his days are numbered, he is still out there and after God's people. Sending his minions to try and lead us astray. To try to to lead us away from faith in Christ. And still our own sinful nature battles against us. And as Jesus points out, still the world would persecute the people of God. Revile us for his sake. And so if we only focus on the now, and we forget that not yet. We leave ourselves vulnerable and susceptible to these other foes. Which are still all too real. Instead... We live in that tension. We live in that paradox of present-future. In hope, yes, that we belong to Christ and he will yet put all things right, but also vigilant, vigilant to recognize that the foe is still very real and ever-present. So there's that one side of the paradox that you can fall off on, where you just emphasize the already to the neglect of the not yet. But the flip side can happen as well. Where you so emphasize the future that you miss what is yours now. And this too, I think, is an understandable temptation. Especially when you get a glimpse, like we do in our our first reading today from Revelation. When you get that glimpse of the future and what is yet to come. I mean, John sets out this beautiful picture. I was... I'll admit it, I'm a sensitive guy. A little tear comes to my eye every time I read that and hear that. Because there's this picture, this anticipation of God present, fully present with his people, face to face, being there before them. And death is no more, and suffering is no more, and pain is no more. And God himself wipes away every tear from our eyes. That is our future hope, friends. And as you look ahead to that, as you anticipate that, I think it's natural just to to focus on that, to fixate on that. That you forget about what is yours now already. But listen, right there in Revelation, we have for us not only that future promise, but also a present promise. See, when we think of the book of Revelation, usually we, we think of it just in terms of things that are yet to come. And it does talk about that, it does portray that. But Revelation, apocalypse, as it's literally called, it's an unveiling. It's God pulling back the curtain, not only on what is yet to come, but on what is happening right now, if only we had eyes to see. Right now, the saints of God already have those blood-washed white robes and are praising God. Right now, the angels of God are fighting on your behalf and mine. Right now, the king sits on his throne in victory. Right now, already, that is yours. And I think if we only look ahead to the future and forget those present blessings, it can lead us into this opposite and kind of ironic position that we are ignoring or downplaying that the victory has already been won. I gave you one World War II analogy. Let me give you another one. Uh, you probably don't recognize the name. At least I didn't recognize the name, and I'm going to mispronounce it, so you especially won't recognize it. <clears throat> Shoichi Yokoi. Shoichi Yokoi. He was a hero to his japanese homeland he was somebody he had been left behind in guam during world war ii and he found a way to contend to keep fighting to survive he made weapons out of the uh, the the forest and the trees he found ways to survive all by himself and when he was finally welcomed back to his homeland he was greeted with a hero's welcome But what is it that was so significant or so interesting about Mr. Yokoi? I mean, there were lots of people fighting in Guam and throughout uh, the, the war. Why was it that he was so remarkable or so extraordinary? See, the reason is Mr. Yokoi was discovered in 1972 in Guam. He did not know that World War II was over. And had kept on living and fighting as though the war were still going. Twitter didn't exist yet, so he just didn't know. <laughs> he was still living as though the, the war had not ended. And I think if we so focus on the future, on that not yet, we can find ourselves in a similar kind of position. Forgetting the fact That Christ Jesus has the victory. That while Satan is still on the prowl, that his demons are still coming after us, they cannot hurt you. They cannot harm you. You have been claimed by Christ. Nothing can snatch you out of the hands of the good shepherd because you are his beloved sheep. He holds you. He keeps you. He holds you fast. His Holy Spirit dwells within you. Already you have that seal, that guarantee of the kingdom that is yet to come. And so don't live as though those gifts aren't already yours by faith. I think this this recognition, this duality, can lead us to a place of peace, friends. Especially in times where so much feels like it's up for grabs. When the world just feels totally off kilter and like it could just go every which way. We recognize the strife is over. The victory is won in Christ Jesus. We can have peace knowing that come what may, our king sits on the throne See, he has the victory and a day is yet coming. And it might be today when he will give it to us in full. And so that's where we live in this paradoxical tension now and not yet the present future. It's not easy to live there. It's more natural to fall off on one side or the other. But by faith, we live in the middle. We live clinging to to both sides. And you know what? That can be a beautiful place to be. Let me leave you with one last image. We sang a moment ago, the, gold, the golden evening brightens in the West. Soon, soon to faithful warriors cometh rest. And that phrase just grabbed me. The golden evening brightens in the West. I remember um, when it came time for my wedding, when I had my wedding, um, my wife, who is smarter than I am, as you know already, she insisted that the wedding be at a certain time of day so that uh, pictures could also then be at a particular time. And I was like, whatever, like, let's just get this done, You know, do it at this point in the day, you know, we've got other things to do. She said, no, no, wedding has to be at this time, I think it was at 4 o'clock maybe, maybe 5 o'clock, something like that. Because she wanted the pictures to be taken when, you ladies know this already, you're smiling at me, the golden hour. I was unfamiliar with the golden hour until then, but the golden hour is that hour when the sun is setting, when that beautiful light just bathes everything in its hues. And you know, this is when you and I live right now. We live in the golden hour. Pastor, it doesn't feel like the golden hour. I know, I know. There's two ways to look at that. On the one hand, the sun is setting on this old and dying world. And the ways of this world are passing away. But in the midst of that brokenness, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of all of those trials and tribulations, still we have the beautiful promise and presence of our risen Lord, whose sun never sets on you and me. We live with that, in that hope. And Christ Jesus has gone even further, that until that day, he has given us this meal this food of the future, which is even better than dip and Dots, see? <laughs> in his very body and blood, a foretaste of the feast to come. So that now, in the present, we might hold fast in hope and enjoy, rejoice, and be glad, Jesus says. bathed in the golden light of his love, looking forward to that day, perhaps today, when he comes again. And knowing and believing that the future is now and not yet. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.